something very different today, but a message that God laid upon my heart here recently, and it's just got some really good content, and I want to give it to you today. The difference between pride and confidence. And there is a difference, by the way. The difference between pride and confidence. And I think we find it right here in our Bibles, and I want to show you a few things that I think are going to be helpful. I really thought about dividing this message up into two parts today, and and I did that last Sunday, and I really tried to seek God's will about this, and it seems like I'm just going to give it to you all today because tonight, I want to talk to you about this subject tonight, as a lion tonight. I'm going to carry my red Bible tonight too. And so don't miss the service. Don't miss the service and don't miss the message tonight, if you will. But so I'm going to, I got a lot of stuff to give you, but I think we can do it and still get you out here on time today. And so let's have a word of prayer and ask God to help us and we'll jump right into the message this morning. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I love these people. And there's been so many times in 30 years where we've not hit the mark. But I love these folk. And I love every family here. And I love a lot of the ones that aren't here. And I wish they were here. And the truth is, they wish they were here now too. And somewhere along the line, the devil threw them a curveball and they swung at it. And they struck out. And what's really unfortunate, Lord, is that many of them feel like they can never come back. And nothing could be further from the truth. This is a church that welcomes everybody. And we would even welcome them and love them. You see, Lord, we understand that they are struggling, but we also understand we're struggling too. And we also understand that verse that says, brethren, you were your spiritual. When we see a brother fall, we're to restore him in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself lest thou also be tempted. You are most certainly doing a supernatural work at Calvary Baptist Church, but the powers of darkness are are working. They're fighting, but that's okay. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And the Bible says that they overcame him by their testimony and by the power of the blood. And so, Father, the best that we know how, we plead the blood of your son over this service and over this people and over this preacher. And I pray, God, you would teach us a great lesson today, and I pray we'd be encouraged, and I pray that we'd be strengthened in the faith And God, I pray you'd do something really, really supernatural all day today. I pray that you'll be pleased and I pray that Christ will be honored. Bless the live stream. Many are watching by way of live stream. And I pray that you'll watch and and bless those that are watching today. Father, 
Help us now. I didn't mean to pray that long. But God, I pray that you'll help us today. And we thank you for all that you do. For we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. And for his sake and all God's people said, amen. amen. And so if you didn't know any better, after you've read the scripture that we just read, you might be led to believe that the apostle Paul was almost speaking arrogantly. Notice what he says in, in verse number six. He said, for I am now ready. I'm ready. Paul said, I'm ready. I'm ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is in. In verse seven, he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Paul said, I kept the faith. And he said, because of that, he said, there is most certainly a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge shall give me at that day. And so if you didn't know any better, you'd read this and you'd think that the apostle Paul had become somewhat lifted up in pride. There's often a fine line between pride and confidence. And because of that, sometimes the two are mistakenly confused for one the other. A funny story I read the other day, Ronald Reagan. I don't think there's ever been another statesman like Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan recalling an occasion when he was governor of California and had made a speech in Mexico City. And this is Ronald Reagan speaking. He said, after I had finished speaking, I sat down to rather unenthusiastic applause. And he said, I was a little embarrassed. He said, the speaker who followed me spoke in Spanish, which I didn't understand. And he was being applauded about every paragraph. To hide my embarrassment, Ronald Reagan said, I started clapping before everyone else and longer than anyone else until our ambassador finally leaned over and said, I wouldn't do that if I were you. He's interpreting your speech. <laughs> Sometimes pride and confusion can, uh, can be con confused or pride and, uh, and confidence can be confused for one another. The apostle Paul was definitely not prideful. In fact, he said this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Paul said, of whom I am chief. I'm the chiefest of all those sinners. You talk about the worst of the worst. Paul said, I, I, I consider myself to be, to be the worst of sinners. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number nine, Paul said this, for I am the least of the apostles that am not meant to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Paul said, I am an apostle. God called me to be an apostle, but he said, I don't deserve to be an apostle. And he said, I, I am definitely most certainly the least of all the apostles. And so Paul was definitely not prideful, but Paul was very confident. He was very confident. In fact, he tells us in 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. And because of that, there's a crown of righteousness that is most certainly laid up for me. Uh, and that righteous judge is going to present that crown to me one of these days. And so Paul was not proud, but Paul was confident concerning eternity. And I, and I want to just insert this question real quickly today, if I could. How confident are you concerning your eternity? That's a good question for us to think about. 
And by that I mean this, if you were, and we hope you don't, but if you were to pass away today, are you confident that you can stand before, and you will. You will stand before God. And so will I. In fact, our Bible says every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And so every one of us have an appointment that we will stand before a holy and a righteous God one day. And if that day were to be today, what is this, July the, uh, July the 11th, Sunday, July the 11th, 2021, if today was the day that you were going to stand before God, could you stand before God, not being prideful, but you could stand before God being confident. I want to make a few Statements today, and I'll do my best to do this quickly as I can today. Number one, the Christian should be cautious of pride. You ought to be cautious of pride. Dr. R.A. Torrey, the old, old preacher from many, many years ago, I found this story, and I want to read it for you if I could. Dr. Torrey used to tell this story as he was uh, preaching around the nation, around the world, and it goes like this. Up in the mountains of North Carolina lived a farmer who had a poor farm with thin soil where he worked hard but was barely able to make a living for himself, uh, his wife, and his son. The son, however, was a remarkably bright boy and easily surpassed all the other boys in the district school. One day the father said to his mother, or said to the mother, our son is a natural born scholar and he, if he is only a poor farmer's son, he shall have a, as good an education as a millionaire's son. The father and mother uh, economized and raked and scraped and got enough together to send the boy off to college the boy did well at college and every little while he sent a letter home telling how well he was doing in his classes. Mother, these letters are all right, said the father. They do cheer my old heart, but letters are not enough. He said, my heart is lonely for the boy and I must see him. I cannot wait. I must see him. Loading up his old farm wagon that afternoon, he got up before sunrise the next morning and started for the college town. It was a long, tedious journey, but it did not seem long to the farmer for he was going to see his boy. Every hour of his dreary journey, as he drew near the college town, his heart grew lighter and happier. In a little while now, I'll see my boy. Won't he be surprised? Won't he be glad? And as he drove up the hill towards the college, who should he see coming down the sidewalk but his boy with two young college companions? There he comes. There he comes, said the old man. He jumped off the old wagon and ran to meet his son who had not seen him. My son, he cried. His son was surprised but was not glad. He was ashamed of his father and his plain old homespun clothes before his college companions there must be some mistake, sir, he said. I'm not your son. And you're not my father. I don't know you. There must be some mistake, sir. The story goes on to say he might as well have driven a dagger into his father's heart. And I'm told that the father went home with a broken heart to die. Well, what a sad story that is. And I thought today, as Brother Mike was singing that song, I thought, Lord, you are amazing how you orchestrate a service. And how that song that Brother Mike sang today tells us, tells us that we should not be so prideful that we are above telling people, I am a Christian. Yes, 
and he is my Savior, and this is my Heavenly Father, and I'm not ashamed of him. Uh, let me give you some verses today, if I could. How about Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 2? The Bible says, when pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the, but with the, what? But with the lowly, but with the lowly is wisdom. With the lowly is wisdom. I know that some of you did as well. I played high school when I was in, uh, I played football when I was in high school. And, uh, and our team did pretty well. And you've heard me tell this before. We, our team was really excelling. In fact, we practiced twice a day in the summertime. We would practice early in the morning. We'd practice again late at night. And, and sometimes we'd practice five, six hours a day. And, uh, and, and, and we were doing well. And I can remember, as you can, I know, I can remember those college, uh, those uh, coaches, those high school coaches telling us this, that if you were a part of the offensive line, it's very important that you stay low. Stay low. You see, if you stay low, you keep that, that benefit of, uh, of, of leverage. Stay low. And your coaches would say, hey, for, hey, fellas, stay low. Don't get up. Stay low. Hit them at their legs. Stay low. And I thought, you know, man, that's just not good advice for football. That's good advice for life. Just stay low. You say, Pastor, I have my name on the door now. Wonderful. Stay low. You say, Pastor, I have you know that, man, we started out rubbing nickels together and now my bank account is six figures and seven figures and we're doing mighty fine. Praise God. That's wonderful. Be sure you tithe, by the way. That's wonderful, but stay low. Stay low. You, if you pull in this uh, parking lot and you've got uh, the vehicle of all vehicles and, and it's that dream vehicle that you've always wanted all your days and you spent thousands and thousands of dollars to get that vehicle, that's your business. And we, and by the way, we, re, we rejoice with you, but I'm just saying this, Calvary, be sure that you stay low because we, if you ever get to that place where you get lifted up in pride, uh, you are headed for a fall, most certainly. My wife and I were married. We were married in 1985 and, and uh, not long after that. In fact, about three months later, I got home from work one day and my wife said, hey, I got some news. And I said, okay. She said, we're expecting. I can remember leaning my head over on the hallway uh, door facing there and thinking, oh my, you know, I'm gonna be called a daddy. Someone's gonna call me dad. And we were expecting Brother Zach, and, and uh, we were excited. I mean, brand new, getting ready to be brand new parents, and we were excited. My wife started going in, you know, for her doctor's visits, and, and uh, as they, they uh, you know, check, uh, you know, periodically, and everything was going, you know, really, really good until one, one day we walked into the doctor's office, and he examined my wife, and he came back and he said, uh, We've got a problem. And this is what he said. He said, the baby's head is not pointing down. He, Zach, was in the wrong position. And because he was in the wrong position, it was going to complicate the future incredibly. And I thought about that. And I thought, you know what, church? When we're not in the right position... It complicates things. 
When your head's not pointed down, when you get lifted up in pride and when we begin to think that we're somebody and we begin to think that we're something and man, we begin to think that we're sort of high and mighty and, and uh, uh, we deserve this and we deserve that. Listen, can I just, this isn't very, uh, you know, this, this isn't very, uh, uh, I don't know what the word may be, very, very tactful this morning or maybe this is not very philosophical this morning, but can I just tell us in old country language what we deserve? If we got what we deserve, we get hell. That's what we deserve. We deserve a devil's hell. And if we ever get our head in the wrong place and our, our eyes on the wrong people and we allow ourselves to get lifted up in pride, it's going to cause major problems. How about this verse? How about Proverbs 16, verse number 18? The Bible says, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. How about this verse? Proverbs chapter 29, verse number 23. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. I love reading some of Dr. Tony Evans' stuff. And I was reading the story and it's just too good to pass up. I just, I, I couldn't, I don't, sometimes I don't like to read a story, but it's just too good to pass up. Because I got a feeling too many people can relate to the story I'm getting ready to read. This is Dr. Evans. And he said, one time I was, I was driving and the car was on empty. It's not just on E. He said, it's past the E. The car is going along, starting to hiccup and cough the way it does when you're about to run out completely. My wife said, Tony, you better pull off. We're going to be stuck out here on the highway. Dr. Evans said this. He said, okay, now we have two problems. One, he said, she's telling me what to do. <laughs> Problem number two, she's telling me how to do it. I mean, I'm the man. I need to be in control. No, he said, we're going to be fine. Now I'm sweating bullets because I know this car could stop at any moment. Well, I don't know, Tony. His wife said, well, I don't know. I think we're going to run out before we get to a station. Oh, no, we're not. We're going to be all right. In my spirit, I'm begging for the next exit to come up quick. Listen to this now. <laughs> Listen to this. The only reason I skipped the last exit was because I wanted to be in charge. All of a sudden, the car starts to jerk. See? Oh, you ladies, I'm telling you. There better not, better not be one lady say amen right now. I, his, his wife spoke out. She says, see, this is what I'm talking about. Dr. Evans said, I'm still sweating bullets and exit is coming up, but that doesn't solve my problem. I don't just need an exit. I need a station. He said, at that moment, I needed God to show me his creative power. He said, I make it to the exit. And I start to veer to the right. There is a station. The exit was on a decline. Just as I take the exit, the car runs out of gas. But now I'm rolling down the hill. <laughs> this is too good to be true. He said, I'm trying to, my best to be cool, praying that we're going to make it. At the bottom of the hill is an Exxon station. The car rolls all the way down the hill. I steer it into the station and the car comes to a halt right at the pump. I look at my wife and say, see, if I tell you we don't have to stop, you don't have to question me. 
And Dr. Evans said this. He said, the truth is a little dose of humility might have saved us both a lot of anxiety. And that is so true, isn't it? Isn't that how we are sometimes? And the devil comes, the, the, the Lord comes, and the Lord says, don't you need a little help? And we're like, no, Lord, I got this. I'm all right. If I need you, I'll call you. By the way, that's where America is right now. We've sort of shoved God back in the corner and we said, God, we're not totally shutting you out, but I tell you what, don't call us, we'll call you. And, and if we need you, we'll call you. And for so long, God has extended his mercy to America and he's extended his help to America. And for so many years, America said, God, we don't need you, we don't want you. We've got this, we're okay. And now we have a God that has just sort of uh, taken a back seat and said, all right, you wanted it, you got it. And now we're in the biggest mess we've always been. Never been in. And it's because of pride. And so the Christian should be cautious of pride. But how about this? Number two is this the Christian should be confident in death. Did you know that death posed no problem for the Apostle Paul? Acts chapter 21, verse number 13, Paul said it like this For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die. At, Jer at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord. And so Paul was confident. Even though Paul knew that, that his time was coming, he knew that death was coming, Paul was ready. He was ready. He was confident knowing that uh, death is knocking, but I'm confident. I, I'm not willing just to, be, just to suffer, but I'm willing to die. I love what Adoniram Judson, the great missionary to Burma, said. When he was on his deathbed, Adoniram Judson said, I go with the gladness of a boy bounding away from school. He said, I feel so strong in Christ. John Wesley on his deathbed as he was making his transition to heaven was said to have rose up in the bed and sang as he took his last breath, I'll praise my maker while I have breath. Hey, listen, child of God. This is simple preaching. If you came here for deepness, you're not going to get it today. And I want to ask you a question. How about you? Are you confident? If you, and I hope you don't, I hope you never hear the words cancer, but it's possible. And if you walk into the doctor's office and he says, you've got cancer and it's not a good prognosis, I want to ask you a question. Are you confident about death? Do you know do you know that if that time were to come that you would be confident? Now, uh, listen to what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse number 28. And now, little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Now, I want to give you today quickly, as I, we're, we're done, but I want to give you four confidence boosters today. You say, Pastor, I'm not confident. It's very possible there's somebody here today in this crowd and you say, Pastor, I am not confident about death. I'm not confident about seeing the Lord, okay? Let me give you four confidence boosters as we close this message. How about this? Number one, be free from doubt concerning your salvation. Now take your Bibles real quickly, if you will, and turn over to the book of Peter. First Peter, I'm sorry, Second Peter. Second Peter chapter one. In your Bibles, if you're in Timothy, just turn to the right and go just a little ways. It's not very far. Second Peter, chapter number one. And look, if you will, please, at verse number 10. Second Peter, chapter one, and verse number 10. And notice what the apostle Peter says. First, uh, Second Peter, chapter one, verse number 10. The Bible says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence 
to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. So I want to ask you a question. Do you know that 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 you're on your way to heaven? Do you know? You say, Pastor, I hope so. That's not what I'm talking about. Do you know that you're saved? Do you know that you're born again? Do you know that your name is written in heaven? Do you know that if you close your eyes in death today, that you would open your spiritual eyes in glory? Do you know? Do you know? You say, Pastor, I hope so. I might. I, I think I might. No, 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 no. Do you know? Do you know that you're saying? You say, well, I preached many, many years ago. I, I went to church and I joined a church and that's wonderful. But do you know that you're saved? You say, Pastor, many, many years ago, I, I, I got sprinkled as a child. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Do you know that you're saved? Preacher, I've read through the Bible. That's wonderful. But do you know, do you know that you are born again? You say, Pastor, I'm a preacher's kid, or I'm a deacon's kid, or I'm a Sunday school teacher's kid, or I grew up in church, or I'm a charter member. Okay. But do you know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die? And if you don't know, it's time to get it settled. Once and for all. You've heard the old story. I've told it many times. I think the first time I ever heard it, Brother Horn told it. Yeah, a young man's out in the field. He's plowing with an old mule. He's got the reins around his neck and his shoulders. And, and he and that old mule are going along and they're plowing. And the devil comes and the devil says, you're not saved. You're not saved. And that young man says, no, I I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm saved. The devil said, you're not saved. You're not saved. You're going to hell. You're not saved. You're going to hell. And that young man made several furrows and he did his best to try to put that out of his mind, but the devil kept telling him, you're lost. You're, I got you. You're going to hell. I'm taking you to hell. And finally, that old boy stopped. Man, he pulled back on the reins. He stopped that old mule in his track. He took those reins and put him out from around his shoulders and he got down, I mean, just right smack dab there in the middle of the field, just got down on his knees right there in the field. And he said, God, I've got to know. I've got to know. He said, I believe Jesus. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again from the grave. I, I believe that you came to pay the penalty for my sin. I, I, I know I'm a sinner that deserves to go to hell and I'm sorry for my sin and I want you to save me. I want you to save me right now. And he got up. But here's what he did. He took a stake and he hammered a stake right down there in the middle of the field. After he done that, took those reins and put those reins back around his shoulders. He says, hep, hep. The old mule started plowing again. They started plowing, got several furrows away, and the devil came back and said, you're not saved. You're lost. I'm taking you to hell. You're lost. And that old boy stopped and he said, hey, devil. He said, you see that stake right over there? He said, I don't care what you say. He said, right there, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I got it nailed down. I'm on my way to heaven. Jesus is my Savior. And I've just got a good feeling this morning that there could be here, uh, somebody here, that, uh, here today that just needs to take the reins off the shoulders and keep fighting, uh, quit fighting the battle and just say once and for all, I'm going to drive a stake and, and I just once and for all, I'm going to know that I'm on my way to heaven. Confidence booster. 
Be free from doubt concerning your salvation quickly. How about this? Number two, be faithful to God's house. Now, church, you've got to see this. It's just too good to not let you see. I want you to take your Bibles and turn over to the book of Psalms. Way back in your Old Testament there, the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter, Psalm chapter 65 and verse number, uh, verse number four, you say, Pastor, how can I be confident concerning uh, when my life may end? How, what, what can I do to be confident concerning eternity? Number one, be free from doubt concerning your salvation. But number two, be faithful, be faithful to the house of God. Now look what the psalmist said in Psalm 65 and verse number four. The Bible says, blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causes to approach into thee that he may dwell in thy courts. Look what it says, look what it says. We shall be, what's the word? Oh yes, good neighbor. Amen, let's say it again. We shall be what? Satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. Turn over just a few pages, if you would, to Psalm chapter 84. Psalm chapter 84, and look at verse number four this morning. Psalm chapter 84 and verse number four. Oh, yes. Psalm 84, verse four. If you found your place, say amen. amen. You're great. Psalm 84, verse number four. The Bible says, blessed. That word blessed means happy. It means contented. It means fulfilled. Amen. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee. Oh, listen to me. You say, Pastor, how can I be confident if death were to come? I'll tell you how. Number one, you make sure that you know that you know that you know that you know that you're born again and on your way to heaven. But number two, don't you let anything keep you away from the house of the living God. And you say, well, preacher, we're, we're going to some dead, dried up thing. It's dead as last year's Thanksgiving turkey. And I mean, nothing's going on. The singing's dead. The preaching's dead. The Spirit of God hadn't been there in 10 years. I want to tell you what you ought to do. You ought to get your family and you ought to get out of that place. And you ought to find you a place where God is meeting with God's people. In the house of the Lord. Did you know what we're doing, Calvary? We are practicing here what we'll do over there. Yes, sir. Yes. You say, what is this? Man, what is this, preacher? I saw folks in the choir this morning raise their hand. Didn't even have a question. <laughs> I saw somebody raise both hands. Every once in a while, you might, you might see somebody do something like this at Calvary. You say, every once in a while, you'll see somebody raise their Bible or stand up and give God a hand clap. You say, I've never seen anything like that. Well, it beats, it beats dead. You know what we're doing at Calvary Baptist Church? We're practicing. We're practicing for the next life. We're practicing for heaven. That's why we believe in praise and worship. That's why we believe in singing at Calvary Baptist Church. That's why we believe in preaching and teaching and fellowship and service. And I, I submit to you this morning, church, that there are going to be some Christians that are saved and they're going to make it into heaven, but they are going to be like a fish out of water. Because they're not used, they're not going to be used to heaven. Man, I got to get off this point. Y'all know what I'm telling you is the truth. A lot of folks are going in churches today, you know, and it's just, you know, the Lord. 
It is in his holy temple. Bless the Lord. Is in his holy temple. Okay, I, listen. I'm not, I don't mean to be. I, I don't want to come across mean-spirited or anything like that. A lot of churches you walk into, real quiet. Music's real quiet. They don't believe in playing a guitar. They play an organ, and our organist does a wonderful job, but that's all they play, and it's sort of that high church, you know, and it's just real quiet, and everybody comes in, and everybody's whispering, you know. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Good to see you. Y'all doing all right today? It's good to see you today. God bless you. Don't have any kids there. You know, if a kid comes, they might put their fingerprint on the drywall or something, you know. And it's just quiet. I'm going to tell you something, church. If you think for a half of a second that heaven's going to be like that, you're mistaken. I've read the book of Revelation. I wrote a book on the book, uh, on the book of Revelation. I'm telling you, let me tell you about heaven. Heaven's going to be loud. Heaven's going to be a loud place. And it's going to be a place of worship. And it's going to be a place of singing. And it's going to be a place of praising. And oh, yes, good neighbor. And that's why we do what we do at the Calvary Baptist Church. Because we're practicing for heaven. Most of the time, in fact, almost every single time when I do a wedding, there's something that takes place before the day of the wedding. It's called a rehearsal. It's not the real thing. It's a rehearsal. And so all the wedding party gets together. The preacher's there. The groomsmen are there. The um, maid of honor's there. The, the, you know, and, uh, and we, we walk through it. And that way we know exactly what we're going to do the next day and where everybody's going to stand and how we're going to act. And, and, and here's what happens. When you have a rehearsal, when you have a rehearsal, you know, you're doing that so the, the thing that's coming on the next day can be that much more beautiful and that much more meaningful. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we're doing, hey, welcome to rehearsal. Amen. This is rehearsal. Yes, so if somebody, if somebody stands up and, man, they're just praising God, don't get worried. Amen. They're just in, they're practicing. Amen. It's scrimmage time. Amen. <laughs> hey, they're just getting ready for heaven. And so you say, Pastor, what can I do to, to have confidence? Uh, how about this? How, how about this next one? How about this next one? Number three, be found in God's word. Amen. Be found in God's word. You're, you're in Psalms, so you don't have very far to go. Psalm chapter one. Psalm chapter one, and look at verse number two this morning. We're, listen, wheels are on the runway. We're about to bring this thing to a close. Psalm chapter one, verse number two. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Look what happens. Verse 3, the Bible says, and he, the guy that spends time in the word of God, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. We're talking about confidence. You say, Pastor, what can I do to have confidence? Get in the Word of God. And as you get in this book and read this book, guess what happens? It plants you. It helps you to grow deep roots. And that way when the storms come and the, and the, the problems come and the burdens come, it keeps you founded. A few weeks ago we had, we had all of our grandbabies here together. Man, we had a house full, I'm telling you. 
It was wildness. It was crazy. And my wife, she bought this little pool. It's about, I don't know, it's about 10 feet or so, you know. It's just a little blow-up pool. And she blew that thing up, and the kids went out there, and they just had, they had the greatest time. They had more grass in it than water, but they, it, they had a great time. And they played, played, played all day long. Anyway, it got toward the, uh, the afternoon, and, and uh, I thought, we, we better drain this thing and let it start drying out, you know, before we put it up. And so I pulled the plug on it. We started, we started draining it, and all the water drained out. And as the evening drew nearer, the wind started getting, the wind started getting up. And we were all getting ready to go in the house for the night. And I thought, you know what? There's a very good chance when all the water goes out of this thing and I come back tomorrow, this thing's not going to be here. And so I had to take some weight. And I had to put some weight down in that little kitty pool to keep it from blowing away because I wasn't confident the next morning that pool would be there. But can I tell you something else? We have two pin oaks in the backyard. I wasn't worried about them at all. You know why? They've been there for a long time. Those things have a root system you wouldn't believe. I never wondered when I went to bed, I wonder if those oak trees will be there when we wake up in the morning. I knew they'd be there. You know why? They got deep roots. You know why a lot of folks are falling away from the will of God and the house of God? Because somewhere along the line, they didn't grow deep roots. And when you get in this book right here, that's what happens. It helps you to grow deep roots. All right, we're done. I told you we'd be done. How about this? Number four, be familiar in sharing God's gospel. Romans 10, 15 says it like this. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I had more I could say today, but I'm going to stop there. I'm going to stop. But I want to ask you a question. I felt on that first point right there, I felt like maybe the Holy Spirit was dealing with somebody. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. Why don't you drive a stake today? Why don't you get it nailed down once and for all? Aren't you tired? Aren't you tired of going through life, having to worry, having to wonder? Aren't you tired of going to bed at night when you lay your head on your pillow and thinking, you know, if something were to happen tonight, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Why don't you get it settled once and for all here today? Would you bow your heads with me this morning all around the house? Father, I thank you for this simple message. Lord, simple is what I need so much of the time. Lord, we, we delved a little deeper Wednesday night but God, this is not the direction you led us for this morning. God, we should be cautious of pride, but we should be confident in death. And Lord, if there's one here anywhere today who in their heart, they know right now, I'm not sure. I don't know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. Father, would you help them to come? And Lord, we have some folks that would just like to take the word of God and show them how they can be saved today. Lord, would you remind them that you'll take them just like they are? Just as I am. Without one plea. 
but that thy blood was shed for me. And God, I pray that today they'll come and give their heart to Christ. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.